Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury and Shane Hurd, and we're happy you're here to hang out with us today. We'll be discussing another episode of History's Project Blue Book today, but first, a few announcements. Maureen and I are presenting a panel at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, Washington on Friday, March 15th, titled Real Life X-Files, Strange Stories of Real Paranormal Investigations. Emerald City Comic Con runs from March 14th through the 17th at the Washington State Convention Center. For more information about the event and to buy tickets, go to emeraldcitycomiccon.com. Then June 21st through the 23rd, Ryan Sprague and I will be speaking at AlienCon in Los Angeles, California. And you just might see Shane and Maureen there, too. We'll certainly be talking much more about AlienCon as it gets closer. TheAlienCon.com is the event's website. That's where you should go to learn more about the event, and it's where you can grab tickets. And Shane and I will be at UFO Megacon in Laughlin, Nevada on March 30th. As the name implies, UFO Megacon is a pretty big event. It runs from March 24th through the 30th, and it features something like 40 speakers. Check out UFOMegacon.com for all the info on that event. All right, with announcements out of the way, let's get into this week's Project Blue Book discussion. As I mentioned, or as I like to mention on every episode, for those who might not be familiar with this show, the TV network history launched this new dramatic series this season titled Project Blue Book. This fictional series is based on the U.S. Air Force's real-life official UFO study that ran from 1952 through 1969. Although the show is fictional, it draws on real Project Blue Book cases, and the show's protagonist is a character named Dr. J. Allen Hynek, a real individual who served as a scientific advisor to the government on Project Blue Book and its predecessors, Project Sign and Project Grudge. Episode 5 featured a UFO-related phenomenon known as Foo Fighters. No, not the band of the same name. Although... This phenomenon is the source of the band's name. Some of you are probably aware that Dave Grohl, the frontman of the band Foo Fighters, is a self-admitted UFO fanatic. In addition to naming his band after something UFO-related, he's also the president of Roswell Records, which is an imprint of RCA Records, and the label also has a film subsidiary, Roswell Films. Just a little bit of fun info for you there. But back to Foo Fighters, the historical phenomenon, not the band. Maureen is going to give us a brief overview of the real Foo Fighter phenomenon. Maureen? Sure. Well, first off, uh, this is a day early, but um, I believe this Tuesday is Extraterrestrial Culture Day. So happy Extraterrestrial Culture Day Absolutely. to everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> We'll have to figure One out how we're celebrating stupid made-up holidays, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll participate. Anyway, so, yeah, the Foo Fighters is was kind of a common phenomenon, especially uh, during World War II uh, area times. So spotted all over the world pretty much, but there are some main cases. And uh, I'll just cover super briefly the, the most popular uh, incident that happened in November of, of 1944. 
but basically there were reports coming in from the 415th Night Fighter Squadron that there were red and orange like fireballs that were chasing their planes and uh, outmaneuvering them. And they weren't spotted on radar or seen from other places. And they said that they spotted these objects moving about 200 miles per hour next to the planes and had no idea what they were. So this gets talked about. These are pilots. They're trained to identify things in the sky. They were really concerned. They were scared. They didn't know what it was. Um, Many people, you know, once this started getting press, the term Foo Fighters, I should say, comes from a, a comic uh, strip. So the one of the pilots called them Foo Fighters off of this this uh, Smoky Stover comic, and which he was a fan of. So you know, kind of unknown fireball kind of thing, and and people didn't know what it was. This is during war, so they it wasn't really like these were aggressive things firing at them. But they were concerned, you know, is this a military weapon of some sort? We do not know. And it was generally thought that perhaps it was uh, a German secret uh, weapon that wasn't really attacking, you know, being tested. Uh, Or other people have suggested, you know, this is something that, again, was investigated by Blue Book and was a, a feature for the Robinson panel, Robertson's panel when uh, that was, I think, in the 50s. So, you know, was this static electricity? Some people accused it of being St. Elmo's fire, uh, some sort of ball lightning. But these were objects that, that, you know, were coming up in a formation of 8 to 10. Sometimes people spotted them by themselves that were moving at extreme rates of speed, that were uh, outmaneuvering these fighter pilots. So uh, a concern because, again, unknown objects in the sky – uh, prior to us talking about this, we've talked before about how if it's a threat in the airspace, if you don't know what exactly it is. So these were really mysterious uh, and then have been reported all over the place since then. And there's, again, like I said, there's these like blanket explanations people have suggested, but this is still technically an unknown uh, case that we didn't know what these what these items were. Yeah. And like you said, especially during wartime, you know, our thoughts were, you know, this must be the other side having some technology that we don't know about. But at the same time, that's what they were thinking when they were saying that, saying, oh, this must be something the Americans have. We've got to figure out what this is because this clearly isn't us. So you have all, all sides having these same thoughts. And the answer ultimately was no. That's not ours. We don't know whose it is. So Yeah, in fact, I think they report them in both the European and the um, uh, Pacific theaters. So they were, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just Germans, just Americans, but even included the Japanese. So, right. yeah. yeah, pretty wasn't freaky. There, if I remember correctly, Jason, wasn't there, there was a big case of Foo Fighters above Alaska that was widely reported or am i making that up no i don't think you're making that up but i can't recall sp- I don't the specifics remember. <laughs> of that but now that you say that that definitely rings a bell yeah i'm pretty sure we did some sort of article or something on it one day i'm um, sure we did <laughs> but i don't even remember when that was i'm googling this right now <laughs> it's so hard and i will say this like i mentioned to you guys and like jason said you know foo fighters the bands uh, name is taken from this. So if 
if you're interested in this case and you want to do your research on it, you have to be a little more aggressive with your keyword research because if you search Foo Fighters or Foo Fighters UFO, you're not going to get a whole ton of information outside of, you know, uh, UFO merch on the Foo Fighters band website. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's probably not what you're looking for. Well, now that we have the history, what did you think of how Foo Fighters were portrayed in the recent Project Blue Book episode, Shane? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, actually. Uh, um, the, the entire episode, uh, there were a couple things that caught my eye. One was um, the character Fuller. And if you remember, he's the pilot from the Gorman case or Gorman himself from the very first episode. And I was thinking, you know, why why didn't they use his real name, you know, at the time, like they're using, you know, Dr. Heineck and stuff. And then I realized, you know, this this guy is a fictional character that's threaded through all of the episodes so far. And so that's probably why they, you know, fictionalized his name so they could continue to use him throughout, you know, these episodes. So. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool, and, and you know that's at the point that it dawned on me. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting: they dropped the f bomb in that show. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I mean, they, there's a little language there, but I think it was Quinn who did it. Did you guys notice that? No, what? I didn't uh, catch that. It's yeah. part of it's part of such my everyday uh, <laughs> crude <laughs> mouth. So <laughs> uh, no, I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, uh, yeah, that is funny, and it's fun. I need to go back and watch now. Yeah, all yeah. right. Well, I feel like these episodes always you have to watch them twice because you're going to miss things that's if you just kind of skim through it once. Oh yeah. You know yeah, what I thought was r- really ridiculous in this episode is <laughs> I was laughing. I'm like, oh great! So now we officially have turned the Foo Fighter pilots into UFO summoners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Like, oh, here they come. It's like, oh, they come when we call them. <laughs> With and, their big antenna in the back of their pickup that yeah. they need from washing machines and so yeah. forth. <laughs> Which is a little disappointing for me because one of the things about the Foo Fighters uh, sightings and cases is that these are coming from really credible witnesses and UFO summoning is not something I really hold super high regard of personally. So it, I don't know, it, it was a little dismissive for me. But one thing I did enjoy in this episode is because there are so many pilots, you know, the character Quinn, you can see him start processing this and saying, look, these are the guys that, you know, I was in combat with these people. These are my boys, you know, and I can tell how affected they are by whatever happened to them. And, you know, they all have these similar stories of being taken away and having your brain wiped. And so he starts realizing that there might be something to this. And mm-hmm. you can see he's starting to to understand that maybe the people he's working for aren't uh, aren't such great guys. Oh, yeah. It, um, the, the other thing, too, that, you know, I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know. Maybe I misread it. See what you guys think. But did it look like that they were trying to incorporate um, well, what are they called? Number number stations, you know, over the radio and where someone this voice just lists uh, uh, several numbers and it repeats and repeats. Did you catch that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And that, that's really 
you know, a tie to the fifties and the whole spy thing where, you know, this is codes that are put out and the receivers know what they mean and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I thought that's kind of interesting detail to weave into this whole thing as well. And I like, I'm sure they just, Oh, go ahead. (laughs) I was just gonna say, I like how you bring up that, that weaving because that's a big, big uh, focus. I think of the creators here and they're trying to in their 10 episode series to weave as much um, as they can into this storyline, into this world that they're creating. Um, and a lot of it, you know, from UFO lore, just sort of, even though it might not have anything to do with a particular case that they're, they're using for mm-hmm. that particular episode or the time period that they're necessarily talking about, they're weaving a lot of stuff from UFO lore into this series. And, you know, there are plenty of people who think that is a bad thing because it, you know, creates a a false impression or, or gives people the wrong information. But honestly, anybody who's taking what they see on TV and using that, uh, you know, as, as real information probably needs a little help, but you know, it's a, it's a good, in my mind, it's a good starting point for people to get those, those wheels turning and to get the, the interest there. So people start doing the research and looking into these things themselves, um, looking into not only the cases, but also these interesting things that are being woven into the story that do come from UFO lore. So I like it being a UFO geek. I've said it before. I enjoy seeing all those things thrown in there because, you know, you watch these, these episodes, you know, Oh yeah, they're pulling that from that particular thing from, from mm-hmm. UFO history. And it, it's fun for me. Um, but I, I can see the other side people being displeased at the misrepresentation of history. Yeah. And it was just announced this weekend that they got renewed for season two. Yeah, that's right. So awesome. even more um, inaccuracy and or accuracy coming your way. That's too, so right. That's a whole is. season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there are a lot of programs on, on, on these channels that are like that. Right. And, and it, it is, always, it's this blend of, um, you know, fact and fiction that, that frankly makes really awesome stories. I mean, you know, it's great entertainment, but yeah, you do have to be discerning about, uh, you know, those facts and don't take it to the bank. But thing is, is, you know, there'll, there'll be two kinds of people, right? Those who are intrigued enough to do some personal research and, and discover, you know, the, the accuracies. And then you have people that are really just looking for entertainment and, and you know, they'll watch it just for that and they're not going to research it any further. And, you know, that's fine, too. That's right, Shane. Both of those are perfectly fine. Because you know what? Not everybody needs to research UFOs. Yeah. yeah, Again, we like to say UFOs is not a religion, although a big (laughs) chunk of it does hinge on belief. It's not a religion and it doesn't need to be forced down people's throats. And we don't need to convince people and tell them how they should believe or what they should believe. That's we're all individuals. People need to make up their own minds and decide how and and, and what they want to do with this information, if anything at all. For a good chunk of people watching this show, they're enjoying the entertainment value. They're casually interested in the subject. They're enjoying a good show about that subject. If that's what they want to do, that's perfectly fine. 
Yeah, and stay away from the religion stuff. I mean, I was just watching a documentary about Heaven's Gate the other day. That was mm-hmm. gets pretty dangerous. There. A different yeah. kind of UFO religion yep, that you right. don't yeah. want to be a part of. Yeah, yep. scary yeah, scary stuff. Yeah. Well, as usual, I like to point out that history provides information about the real cases they use for inspiration in Project Blue Book right on the network's website. They show this information immediately following the episodes when they air on television. But if you're interested in hearing even more, I recommend visiting History's website, which is history.com, to watch the short videos they've produced that feature UFO historian Richard Dolan and the lauded UFO researcher Jacques Vallée. They're pretty interesting, and they're right on the website. You can watch them for free. So check that out if you're interested. And I just want to mention, for our friends in the UK who have been dying to see Project Blue Book, it was just announced that Sci-Fi acquired the rights to bring Project Blue Book to the UK. So look for that in March. Also, as Maureen mentioned, History has ordered a second season of Project Blue Book. So we'll have 10 new episodes to look forward to next year. It's cool to see how successful the series has been for History. And according to entertainment news website Deadline Hollywood, Project Blue Book has helped, quote, propel History to the number one entertainment network in cable on Tuesday nights in prime among total viewers. That's huge. So congrats to those guys. I'm looking forward to more of this show. And we're only halfway through season one. So we still got plenty more to go on this season. So episode six of Project Blue Book airs on February 12th. And that episode is titled The Green Fireballs. I am fascinated to see what they do with this. As we all know, green fireballs are still to this day commonly reported UFOs. So I have seen one myself. I have as well. Pretty sure it was a meteor, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same here. Well, it's interesting. I look forward to it. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, we invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet and let us know what you thought of the fifth episode of Project Blue Book or anything else UFO-related that's on your mind. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and yes, even YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And we invite you to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. But posting reviews on Apple Podcasts is what helps the show the most. That and sharing the show with friends. That's the small favor we're asking you. Post these episodes all over social media and help introduce new people to Unknown. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer, Caleb Hanks, for the show's intro and outro music. To check out more of Caleb's exceptional creativity, visit his website, theclerkchronicles.com. You can always find this show at rogueplanet.tv, because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. Rogueplanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Maureen Ellsbury. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your own opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.